Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Thank you for coming on Habits and Hustle. It's a pleasure meeting you. I would say in person, but it's not really in person. It's, it you know, visa, it virtual one day. I feel like it's going to be. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I I really enjoy, I, I, I obviously I read your book, but I, I really love your whole thing, your whole story, how you evolved and, and did what you did. I mean, it's so, it's not just, it's aspirational, it's inspirational. It's an amazing story. And Believe It is a great name for your book oh. because... Uh, no, it is. And I, like when I go through your stuff and when I've seen your things, it's like it resonated because a lot of like what you talk about, I talk about it as well. And um, you've done a girl to like the nth degree. I mean, selling your company, It Cosmetics to L'Oreal for cash. Wasn't it 1.2 billion in cash? I, I don't even, how did you get cash? I don't even, I, I want to know, but um, it's, it's a, you're like amazing, Aww. period. Aww. Thank you. Well, you are too. So I'm, yeah, no, I'm excited. Um, yeah, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. So, and you know, I, um, I've really been, it's funny because we have like mutual, you know, mutual friends and stuff, but like, they're really new in my life because for almost a decade, like all I did was yeah. like work and like trying to build the company, do it. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. um, that's why seeing that pajama party, I was like, I've got to go. Like, <laughs> I want to well, be around girlfriends. Like, I need to get a life because for a long time I didn't have one. So. It's hard to have one when you're doing when when you do what you did to that level. Uh, and then, I mean, people think it's like you know, people are overnight successes, but yeah. you, you know, you're a testament to. Well, it's that is not the case. I mean, yeah. it's hard to have a social life and go to pajama parties when you are you know, you're building and grinding and hustling to create what you created. Um, and it's funny because I'm not a makeup person by any stretch of the imagination, right? But I, even I knew what It Cosmetics was because you guys have a concealer yeah. and, a, and a BB cream or is it a CC? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is, it that, cream? That, is it a CC cream uh-huh. that I use? Yeah. That is amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a crazy journey. And, you know, I I think part of it, you know, because like, you know, growing up, like I had, I didn't see any type of business, like monetary success, any any stuff like that. I mean, my parents worked super hard. Um, But, you know, I, you know, my journey was, was really different. Like I worked as a Denny's waitress and uh, yeah. And like uh, pushed grocery carts in the Safeway parking lot and all those things like, and, and trying to pay my way through school and stuff like that. And I, I always kind of like had this like gut feeling like, okay, like, I'm, I'm, I'm meant to, to serve or give or something. I'm meant to do more than like what I'm doing right now and where I'm at. And I, I, um, you know, it's been a decade of like literally starting with close to nothing. And then, you know, when I, when I launched this idea, this, this kind of dream, um, I had no idea how hard it would be. Like the first three years of the business, uh, was like hundreds of no's, like, tons of rejection, um, some of it really brutal. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I thought, I think so many people like have a dream and then they're like, Oh, and then once you go after it, you're like, Oh, this isn't happening. Like I thought it was going to happen. And there's like no proof around me that it's actually a good idea. And like, 
what was I thinking? And did I list like, is my gut wrong? And it was really this, this crazy journey in so many ways of where it started to then building it into a, a billion dollar business. And you know, the thing when I, um, over the years, um, and really why I wrote this book, my first ever book, uh, is really because, and it's such a, by the way, it's such a big week right now, um, launch week of the book. I'm excited to share it with you and your whole community and everything. But this book is really like, oh gosh, it's, it, I've, I've noticed that you always see, like when you Google, right, you see the headlines like, oh, struggling waitress sells billion dollar company. And I get so many DMs on Instagram from women, especially saying like, oh, like, how did you do it? Did you just get lucky? Or like, did you all these things? And I'm like, oh, wow. It made me realize that so often, like, we don't ever see the story behind the story of stuff. And, and when we don't see that, then it's like, when we go through our own setbacks and our own struggles, it's like we feel alone in them or like it must be us or maybe we're not the kind of person that success happens to or whatever. And just seeing really DMs on Instagram and just getting these questions over the years, I'm like, you know what? Like I I, I had this moment where I realized I'm actually for the first time ever like going to share like everything that really happened and and the book um believe it is is a story really my story of going uh from a girl who didn't believe in herself to believing in herself and like not trusting herself to like learning how to trust herself uh doubting that she's enough to like like learning to believe she's enough and what really inspired me to write it was, was like, oh, yeah, it's my story, but it's also the story of so many other women and people out there right now who are like, you know, who who have this like feeling like, like, you know, they're 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 made for more or or mm-hmm. they have a feeling like they have more to give, or whether it's like launch the podcast or 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 start painting again, or like write the first chapter of the book, or, you know, join a dance class, whatever it is, like, like they know inside they're, they're created for more, but like they doubt themselves anyway. And, and, and when I think back on my whole journey, like why I wanted to write this book really is, is for every person out there who really has is dealing with doubt in their own head, uh, whether it comes from their own head or from like the people around them, like other people's mm-hmm. opinions, um, or just the simple fact that they're trying their dream and they're trying to build their business or they're trying to, you know, get clients for their dance studio, whatever it is. And like the success around them isn't happening right now. And it's like, how do you know? How do you learn to hear your own gut and and trust it? How do you learn to like break through all the noise of self-doubt and 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 really really learn to believe you are enough <laughs> and to step into all that you are and all that you're called to be? And 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 I think that so many people give up or stay in their comfort zone and never actually um, uh, you know, become the person they're created to be because of so many reasons, right? And it's why so many people quit. And so anyhow, this book is really <laughs> for every person just on their journey who, who wants like all the tips and lessons of how to do that. Um, and I really share like so many personal and professional yeah. stories, right? Of learning to do that. And then I also share the stuff I still am struggling with where it's still a work in progress. And 
it's just raw and emotional and vulnerable. And honestly, I'm, I'm scared because I'm used to like, let me give a CEO talk in the boardroom. And this is like, oh no, this is the real shit. This is the real stories behind the stories that are really personal. But my prayer is just that it's not about me. And it's, it's, you know, I'm donating uh, the book. I'm donating hundred percent of the proceeds of the book. Like, like I'm not doing literally the only reason I'm doing this book is because for me, it's the best, I think best work I've ever done in my life. And that I, I know it's not about me and my prayers, just that it helps every single person out there on their own journey of knowing they're enough and, and stepping into all of who they are. So that was a long answer. Wow. But a that really was answer. a long answer. <laughs> a good one. I love it. You know, you gave me a lot of good little nuggets to go with there. Hmm. Um, first of all, the, where is the the proceeds? Are you do you, do you have a, a charity that you're going to be giving uh, the? No, um, two two of them, but one of the big ones too is Feeding America, um, mm. because right now, I mean, wow, what a year it's been for so <laughs> many of us. Yeah, um, and there's tens of millions of families now that are food insecure, and you know we're going to have a vaccine, but we're still going to go through a really tough season. And they're saying it could go, you know, well into 2021. And I think that right now, um, I think it's like the last, the last number I read was 17 million kids are food insecure just in our country right now. So, um, so that's a big one. And, and by the way, I was, Denny, I was a Denny's waitress. I know how to, I know how to serve food. So now I'm just going <laughs> <laughs> to, food. <laughs> I saw that. I think I also saw that you said something like you were at Denny's, but you lost the job because you talked too much and gave away too much free food. Oh my gosh. Well here, you know, what's funny. Okay. This is the funny <laughs> thing is I don't know if you tell, I would love to hear to you if you feel the same way, but I think so many times in our lives, like the setbacks we go through end up being like setups for like yeah. actually, right? Actually, things we're supposed to do next or walk into next. And when I think about Denny's, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the Denny's I worked at, uh, which was in Pullman, Washington, had uh, massive operational issues. Sometimes it would take like an hour for the pancakes to come out, and people oh. get mad, right? So some people would leave, and then some people would stay, but then they wouldn't tip me, and I'm like, I have nothing to do with the pancake timing. Yeah. <laughs> and so what's funny is, um, and I'm like kind of an introvert normally, and that job, I actually I was like, dude, I'm paying, I'm trying to pay my, my way through school. Like I can barely afford my my tuition, my bills. I'm like, I've got to get tips. And so, um, and so I learned to talk. Uh and yeah. like, you know, I just talk to people and and you gotta know, get them kind of like okay with the wait. Yes, because it was the longest wait for the pancakes to come out. Anyways, I eventually um yeah, I got fired for talking too much, but I believe and, and by the way, the cool thing that came out of it was like, I didn't know it at the time. I never knew one day I'd start a business or anything, but I had this lesson ingrained in me that like, oh, if your operations aren't right, <laughs> it yeah, can yeah. impact everything else. And I remember, and like a lot of, for a lot of us, when we launch a business or a dream or whatever, we want to do the thing we love, but we don't want to handle the operations. We don't want to. And I just remember that lesson. And I remember when we created it cosmetics, I'm like, okay, We've got to figure out the operational infrastructure because if that's not there, it's like everything else collapses, even though operational infrastructure is not my passion. But I thank Denny's for that lesson. For that first lesson. Yeah. Like, it's, it's 100% true. You know, I always say that too. I feel like 
so many times when things were disappointments, you know, you it ends up working. It does end up there. A, a, like a kind of like a silver lining does happen or another opportunity arises that you never even knew existed because of that setback. Yeah. Um, and it's a, a very important real, it's, it's a really important life lesson or like an important thing to remember in those darker times when things are not working. And it's when hard, you, right? Because when you're in that dark moment, like I can think of so many major no's in my journey of building the company where I thought like, oh my gosh, everything's on the line. I need this investor to say yes, because I don't know how I'm going to make it if he doesn't. Or I am dreaming for yeah. years of being in this retailer and like they keep saying no, but I need this yes. And then it's like those big rejections, right? Sometimes it's a friend rejecting us. Sometimes it's someone we're totally into that we're dating. And then we're like, oh, so they're just not that into us. Those yes. hurt, like they hurt and they suck and they are devastating. And there's a million nights I cry myself to sleep, but like, so it's hard to do it. But like, when I look back at everything, I just know that's true, that our setbacks, no matter how painful they are, really really are set up. So like if we're, if we're open to, uh, if you're open to that yeah, and open to seeing the, the other opportunities yeah. or the windows that are opening when the door slams on your face. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so a couple of different things again, that we were, you were saying, um, number one that you were, and you open with this in your book. And I I've heard you talk about this is that you, you very much uh, trust your intuition and your gut. And it's more it, that, to, and that, um, really, if you can give anyone, I saw you say this in the, you said this in the book, your gut and intuition is more important than other people's advice, which I, I'm a strong believer in, right? But it's very difficult to some, for some people to, to do that, right? Because of that self-doubt, because of that fear. How did you, how did you kind of hone that skill of really listening to your gut? Yeah. Um, like, was there like a, like a, like a tip, a moment in your life or like some kind of turning point when you kind of decided to, to, to kind of go that way or explain that? Yeah, I think that it's um, for every person. I think it's, it's a journey. And I think a lot of people don't start the journey. I think that mm-hmm. I believe we all have an intuition, like an inner knowing. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens for so many of us is that, you know, to your point, we, we, the, the noise of self-doubt is in our own head. We have other people's opinions all around us. We have experts who like are credible and touted visionaries like saying how stuff should be done, right? In some cases. And there's so much. We turn on the news and people are fighting. We have like there's so much everywhere that it ends up being so noisy that we almost like can't even hear our own gut anymore. And a lot of people never, ever really just develop that ability to just, to just get still and, and hear it. And, uh, and, and, and a lot of people have heard it in the past, but like, it's been a long time (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, or they think they heard it and it turns out to be wrong. And then they start doubting themselves. So for me, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. And one of the big things is when I look back, because there are so many times where I doubted my doubt in my gut and I was like, oh, you know what? Like they're experts for a reason or, or this person's had so much success. Let me just listen to them, even though it's like not quite sitting right with me. Um, and when I look back at a lot of the mistakes I made, 
they were all really around times when I didn't, I went against Mm -hmm. my own gut. And so it's really a thing I think we develop over time, um, really by, by paying attention. And I think it, I think we're all born with it though. I think we have it. And then I think our life lessons build on it. But you know, it's like, Sometimes it's simple. It's like we date a dude and we're like, oh, he's sketchy, but we don't want to believe it. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. Like, oh, maybe his phone did break. And yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. maybe he just fell asleep last night and I couldn't get a hold of him. He didn't disappear. He wasn't at somewhere else. Like, right. And we kind of know. And we, we know. Shoot, right. We know. And we yeah. choose not to. And I think that that carries through our whole life. And, you know, for, for me, um, uh, getting still, it's a practice. It's a journey. It's a journey. But getting still, even five minutes a day, and that's hard. A lot of people try to get still, whether it's to meditate or in prayer, whatever it is. But when you try to get still for five minutes, no phone, no anything. Like sometimes I just go in the closet because I have two little ones. <laughs> Look at, yeah, go in the no, me too. I know. I do <laughs> right? that all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I just literally try to get still. And I'm not perfect at it because I try to hear my gut. And sometimes I end up thinking of my to-do list or whatever else is going on. But I, I really work on it to, to, to tune into that. And when I look back, you know, um, there's, oh gosh, so many stories uh, that I share in this book I've never shared before. And But one of, you know, one of the most powerful lessons in my entire career and my life came down to a moment when we uh, got one shot on QVC. And what had happened is, you know, we'd been building yeah. from our living room for three years and hearing no from everybody. And QVC said no several times. And one day I got their head guy, um, Alan Burke, who'd built this billion dollar beauty empire on the phone. And uh, I thought for sure, if he's going to give me a few seconds of his time, it's going to be a yes. And I was- well, How did you get him on the phone? How did you get him on the phone first? Yeah. By obsessively sending products for two and a half years. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. LinkedIn, I, I would go on LinkedIn and send messages to any person that worked at QVC. It didn't matter to me what their job title was. And I'd try to send them products. I could get them. Yeah. Um, and I finally begged his assistant. Uh, to just set up a call with me. Like, could you just get him to review the product? Uh, so it was a lot of that. <laughs> and, I thought uh, you were going to say that, you know, what I thought was super clever before you even tell me the, Q- tell everyone the QVC story, which I think is a very uh, poignant point in like in your career or the, in, in, at it for it cosmetics. Yeah. Um, you called the, uh, was it Marie at it cosmetics.com? Yeah. That's your middle name. And you use that as your, you pretend that was your PR person, which is so scrappy, so <laughs> clever and, and, and gritty. Yes. I loved it. I highlighted it like really, really strong. I love like, that you have a highlighter in your hand right now. I'm oh, like so oh. excited. <laughs> <laughs> I love I know, it. This is my best friend, by the way. This exactly. is like, this highlighter lives with me. Uh, you know I, so the Marie story, like, here's the that's thing. That's amazing. You know, I I was like, let me just share all of it because I don't want people to just go, oh, that's great. These kind of things happen to other people. But like, for me, I can't afford to hire anyone or whatever, right? But we all go through that. And so like, I share so many stories of like, how did I figure this out with no money or no connections or whatever? And it's like, sometimes yes. you got to do what you got to do because I couldn't afford to hire anybody, right? My husband and I, we wrote the business plan on our honeymoon flight and, you know, both quit our jobs and thought, oh, 
we'll take our, our small amount of savings, pour it into making the best product ever, hiring an advisory board, and, and, then, and then the product is going to sell. And then I didn't realize, oh, it's not that easy. And, uh, and didn't realize it would be three years before I could afford to pay myself. And so in those early years, like I couldn't afford to hire people who knew what they were doing <laughs> in right. like, all these areas. And so, you know, you uh, figured out, that, I mean, I would Google like everything, FDA regulatory compliance and how to write the labels on the packaging and like, like just everything. And, uh, and I got to the point where I'm like, okay, my name's Jamie Marie Kern Lima. And so Marie, which is my middle name, uh, got her own email address, right? Marie at itcosmetics.com. And she became head of PR, head of customer service. Like she was a hustler. And so, so yeah. she would like email, um, <laughs> you know, the Today Show, Good Morning America, uh, yeah. and be like, great news. Our founder, Jamie Kernley, is available for an <laughs> I love it. And and we're launching a new product. Like, and just like, so, cool. so Marie was a hustler and Marie got just as many no's, a lot more ignores, but she hustled and she got some press. Um, she got some press Good for her. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know, listen, it's like, you know, the journey, it's hard. And, and I feel like these, these stories and so many of the stories I share in the book, I feel like they're so important to share because now we're sitting in this world where we like see everything on social media. And a lot of times people, whether they want to, you know, write a book or they, or maybe they have an idea for a business or a product or something, but they're like, oh, they see everyone on social media, like, oh, everyone's already done my idea mm -hmm. and it looks so good. Like it's working so well for them. And then they talk themselves out of their own purpose and their own calling and their own truth, right? And I think like what's so important is like, oh, just because you see, uh, in my case, you if you Google, you see like, oh, billion dollar success story, whatever. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, here's what really happened. And if if someone's listening right now and they're going through a season of rejection and a season of disappointment and a season of setbacks, I just feel like it is so important to know that when we go through those, we're not alone and it's no indication of the potential of your idea or right. your success or your dream or your calling. It's like, oh no, like, like we're all in this together. This stuff happens to almost all of us, you know, and, 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 and here's the things I did that helped me not quit and helped me keep going and helped me believe even when other people didn't. Um, and, uh, and so, and, and yeah, and my, and one of my biggest, um, only if you want me to share it, but my, the biggest, uh, gosh, one of the biggest lessons on just trusting your own gut versus, you know, what I want you to talk about that. That's a huge, the QVC story. That's the, yeah. that to me was like a, a major pivotal moment in your entire career. So yeah. I, I just wanted to, I wanted to hear first how you would, how you, I want you to tell the, you know, whoever who's listening, yeah. Hey, how did you finally, because it wasn't like this was your first time contacting QVC. It was many, many times. It was no, no, no. You were, yeah. you already were told no by Sephora and by private equity people who were rude yeah. to you. And, 
Oh, I want yeah. And your question about getting a hold of that guy. Yeah. How did you finally get in touch when with we, them? When I finally got through, his assistant finally set up a call. I thought for sure. I thought for sure. I was like, oh my gosh, Alan Burke is getting on the phone with me. Like, this is going to be like, I was freaking out, like pacing my office, which was our living room. And I, <laughs> and, and I remember when we finally got on the phone call and he's like, hello, Jamie, this is Alan Burke from QVC. And I'm like, Okay, I'm like trying to tell myself like they'd be lucky to have us. Like I'm like, hi, Alan. <laughs> like nice to meet you. And uh, and he was so kind and awesome and all those things. And he said, listen, we've reviewed your products uh, with all the buyers here, and it's unanimous. It's a no. Um, you're not the right fit for QVC or for our customers. And I'm like. Oh, but I am the right fit. And let me tell you why. And like, I just tried again and poured my heart out and it was a no. And so I thanked him for his time and like literally tears are streaming down my face because I didn't know at this point, we're a few years in, like, how are we going to make it? And that day I remember like going to bed, crying myself to sleep. Uh, And I don't know if you've ever had this happen where you like get really bad news and then you go to bed and then you wake up the next morning and you hoped it was a dream. Yes, of course, happens all the time. Yeah, and then it's like, Oh, it wasn't. And it was like, that was what it was like for three days in a row. And anyhow, we had a, a season of, of several years of no's from everybody. The, the QVC, and by the way, QVC was my dream because uh, my whole life, for, like similar to so many of us, I had always seen magazines and commercials on TV with these um, models that had perfect skin and all these things. And I never... I remember growing up, seeing all of them and going, oh, I want to aspire to look like that, but then always somehow also feeling like I wasn't enough when I saw them. And I didn't put this all together until my journey of, um, of getting rosacea on my cheeks, which is you know hereditary skin okay. condition, and, and trying everything I could get my hands on and none of it working and making that decision that, you know what, I'm going to quit my job as a journalist and my my whole life I've dreamed of being a talk show host and not, I love other people's stories like not mine other people's stories. And, and I thought I was gonna do that my whole career and when I had this moment like oh I, my gut just kept telling me like you know you you know nothing's working for you there must be so many other people out there like you who maybe have skin challenges or whatever and they just like given up on makeup altogether or, you know whatever and I just that, that feeling, I knew I needed to do it. And so anyhow, um, so part of my whole mission from the very beginning was to not just create a product that worked for me and that helped other people, but to create a beauty company where like all the models I use and call beautiful models and mean it are every age and every size and every skin tone and every skin challenge. And I wanted to shift culture in the beauty industry around inclusivity. So I had this dream of QVC for that reason, because it's live. It's live 24-7 television to, to 100 million homes. And I was like, oh, I can go on and like take my makeup off, show my bright red rosacea and show for real how the product works, not in a magazine or TV ad where you don't even know if they're wearing the product. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And let me put like real women of every every age and size and you know, skin challenge and, 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 and really try to shift clothes. So I dreamed of QVC. I just felt it in my gut that I was supposed to be on QVC. And so to get Alan Burke on the phone and to have him tell me you're not the right fit for our customers or for QVC was devastating. And, uh, you know, and it's hard. And it's, it was one of those moments for me 
where I had to figure out how to turn down the volume in this case on his opinion (laughs) and like try to just turn up the volume of of my own gut that said, okay, because every time I would check in with my gut and I would hear it, it's like, you're on the right track. You're supposed to be doing this. And I'm like, is my gut wrong? Because no one else is believing in it. The experts that have done incredible things aren't believing in it. Right. And those are the tough moments. And I think those are the moments that make people give up, that make people quit that made people talk themselves out of their own dreams and their own truth and never step into all that they were created to be because it's so easy and it makes so much sense in our heads to trust the people who are experts (laughs) who are telling us how to do it. So anyways, I just it, it was a moment where, and I did a lot of things wrong in my journey, and I talk about so many of those in the book too, but this was one of the things I did right where I was like, you know what, my gut is telling me to keep going, and I did, and we eventually were at a big beauty expo and a QVC host uh, came up to the booth. There were 6,000 women there and I was demonstrating our product and she uh, loved our product and and something, you know, she had this feeling to, to come up to me and to try and give me a shot. And long story short, we got one shot on QVC. And this is where one of the biggest life lessons and, and business lessons in terms of trusting your gut over you know, experts or anyone else um, uh, happened. And so we had one shot (laughs) and 10 minutes on QVC. And here's the thing is it's a a consignment deal in beauty, which what this meant. And and by the way, we were only selling uh, two to three orders a day on our website at the time. And I didn't know how we were going to make it, like had no idea how we weren't going to go bankrupt. And we got this shot on QVC but they ordered 6,000. We had to sell over 6,000 units of bye-bye under-eye concealer um, in this 10-minute window in order to hit their sales goal uh, or not come back. And I was like, okay, but the the challenge was we had to pay for, manufacture, and ship it all into them. And then if it didn't sell in that 10 minutes, we had to take it all back and not be paid for it. So Everything was on the line. We didn't even have the money to do this. So we applied for SBA loans and uh, to the first 22 banks said no. And bank number 23 said yes. And we got enough money just to cover the, the order, the purchase order. Because that can bankrupt a company as well. Oh, People yeah. don't understand. Two seconds. Into, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, for entrepreneurs, and you should never accept a purchase order. You can't afford to lose ever. And we couldn't afford to lose this one. But we also had almost like run out of options. Like it was like, yeah. okay, we're going to just go all in. And um, and so knowing this and knowing it came down to this one shot on live TV in 10 minutes, uh, we hired these third-party consultants and all of them told me the same thing. And by the way, they're great and they help so many people sell well on television and they all those things. They know what they're doing. And we worked with them and they all told me the same thing. They're like, okay, if you want to have a chance, if you want to have a shot, because most people, when they launch on QVC, it's like one time they never come back. It's really hard. Oh, I know. Right? People don't even understand those statistics. I mean, it's very, very rare that people have the story that you had, right? Where you just sell out, whatever, but we'll get to that in a second. But 
you, and that's when like p- companies like die on the vine right in that moment. Yes. And I've yeah. seen it happen so many times too live and it's the most devastating oh. thing. And because it's everyone's dream, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and to get one shot is, is even that part. I mean, so for us, it was three years of, of hustling and trying, you know, getting nose. And so, so we got this one shot and, when we hired these experts, they all told me the, the exact same thing, which is, you know, if you want to have a shot at success, here's what you need to do. You need to use these type of models, which were the mm-hmm. same type of models I'd seen in commercials my whole life that right. made me feel like I wasn't enough. And, uh, you know, th- th- this age, this, you know, all those things and do your itself this way. And I would argue with them and say, okay, but like, if I'm sitting at home watching this, right, and let's say I'm 75 years old and I'm, you know, have hyperpigmentation, whatever it is, mm-hmm. if I don't see anyone that looks like me, instead I see someone who looks like they're 12 with pop, like, how do I know it's going to work for me? Like, right. right. And I'd be like, and listen, I, let me just, I'm going to take my own makeup off and show my rosacea on national TV. And they're mortified. And I'm like, because if I were at home and I had rosacea too, I'd want to know what is the product going to do? What does it really work? Like all those things. And, and it was so tough because they're like, listen, and, and they wanted the best for me. They were telling me the very best advice they knew. And I learned a huge lesson, which by the way, this applies to everyone, no matter what situation you are in life. When other people, even experts, even, even friends, even loved ones, when they're giving you their advice and their opinion, they can mean so well, but they are only capable of giving it to you through their own lens, lens. right? Of limitations, mm-hmm. their own lens of experience. And, and the other thing I've learned too, especially when it comes to experts, is even people that are like considered visionaries, and they are in so many ways, if you're doing if, if you're doing anything that is new or novel or different. And even if it's, if you're doing something that's already been done a million times, but it's you doing it authentically, which means it's a different take on it. Right. So by definition, it's new. Anytime you do something new, most likely experts aren't going to believe it's going to be successful because, and they're not going to know they're doing this, but like subconsciously, they've never seen proof that it is going to be successful because it's never been done before. And so like, had I learned that lesson earlier, I would have saved myself so many nights crying myself to sleep when so many of them didn't believe that this new way of doing a beauty company would work. And so anyhow, there I was with one shot in front of me, a 10-minute window uh, to either literally change my whole future or go bankrupt, which would also change my whole future. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. Um, it felt like way too heavy for me to handle. And I flew out to QVC a week early, a week before our one shot on air. And I had this rental car and I sat in the parking lot um, all alone uh, of QVC, just staring at the front door, watching people go in and out all day. I don't know why I parked there, but anyways, I was just there. And I- Why? Why did you go a week early? I, it was so heavy for me that first of all, I got there and I started going, okay, 
I once heard Olympic athletes in visual, like visualize themselves landing the triple axel or standing on the podium. I'm like, I'm going to try that. So I sat in that car and I was like envisioning the sold out sign coming up on the screen. I was envisioning real women. I sat there. I prayed. I cried. It felt so heavy. At one point I asked God to take it from me because I couldn't handle the pressure and I wasn't scared for television. I just knew that this one shot was either going to, you know, I was make or break. Exactly. When I would watch people go in and out of the doors, I was like, okay, the next time I walk through those doors, when I walk back out, (laughs) it's either going to be life changing or it's going to be, you know, devastating. And I, uh, I also just needed that time to really know what to do because it's really hard when everyone else is saying one thing and our gut's like, oh no, but that's not authentic to why you're doing what you're doing. And, but like, I didn't have a chance to try it both ways. And I just remember sitting in that car trying to decide, okay, do I cast all the models they're telling me to, to have a shot at success or do I like risk it all and take my makeup off and show real women of all shapes and ages and sizes and skin tones and skin challenges. And, and I just sat there like, and I knew what to do, but like, it's so hard when our mind tells us one thing and our mm-hmm. heart and our gut is telling us another thing. And Absolutely. Went, right. And at one point mm-hmm. I just sat there in the car and I had this moment where I was imagining who she is watching and, you know, I think of so many different types of women and the one that just would always jump out at me is like, I would imagine for some reason, I don't know why a single mom in Nebraska, like folding laundry, who is too busy to remember that she matters and that she's beautiful and, and that she's worth it, all those things. And I, I had this moment in that car where I was like, you know what? I would rather have, if she's going to give me five seconds of her precious time to see me on QVC in the background of whatever she's doing, I would rather have her glance up on that television, not buy anything and see me standing there showing women that look like her and calling them beautiful and meaning it. I'd rather do that than like sell a shitload of product and stand for nothing. You know what I mean? It was that moment where it's like, I knew what I had to do. But sometimes we know and it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, then, exactly. And then we, <laughs> and we and then we acquiesce to who the expert is or who the person is we're supposed to listen to. Yeah. And and you didn't. Well, and it was, you know, I just I remember the moment so that um the count <laughs> so I'm standing there they can, I'm in the studio, we're about to go live, and they have this big countdown clock, right? And it's at 10 minutes. And I just remember all of a sudden the cameras turn on and you see the on-air thing go on. And I was, I was freaking shaking like a leaf, like, and I'm not nervous for TV. Like that's what I did for for a living. Yeah. It was the, all the pressure. And and, and I was like, and then I saw the clock go 959, 958, 957. And you can't, you can't try to sell or nothing sells. You can't freak out or nothing sells. But inside, I'm like, okay, like this is bigger than me. I can't get in my own head. My dress was too tight that day. It was a whole (laughs) Anyways, I was like, I cannot get in my own head. And I just remember like the show. I remember the moment they pulled my bare face before a shot on national television. And I just remember this whole thing. And then I went over to all of our models who are all different ages, shapes, sizes, everything, skin tones, skin challenges. And I, I, all of a sudden I remember we were at, oh, and by the way, if you're not doing well, let's say you're like one minute, two minute, three minutes into your 10 minute segment. Yeah. If you're not doing well, they, they know by the second if sales are happening. So your clock jumps down to two minutes and you know, in your head or one minute, you're like, oh, 
I just lost a product or I just lost <gasps> this much money, right? Because they don't, you, they don't mess around. Um, it's like, you know, and, and. So they don't even necessarily give you the whole 10 minutes. Exactly. So they right. know really quickly on yeah. if you're going to like even. Yeah. Oh. And it's interesting because if you think about like Target or Walmart, oh. like you get shelf space. And if you yeah. don't do well, you lose your shelf space, right? Yeah. And the Don't you spend money on those shelf spaces, don't you? Don't oh, you spend yeah. money on the. Yeah. Um. Probably, yeah. But like with, with QVC, it's the same thing. It's just business, but it's more immediate, <laughs> literally oh. right then and there. So all this pressure's on. And I just remember praying that my clock did not jump down, right? And it's like all the minutes are going by. And then and then I was showing, you know, all, all of our, our real women, all the models. And then I remember there was about a minute left and the host is like, the deep shade is almost sold out. The tan shade is almost gone. And I'm like, <gasps> and then I remember literally there was one minute, or no, one second left and the uh, sold out sign came up across the screen. And I was like, oh, and literally these tears, like tears started streaming down my face. Um, they cut, they cut and went right on to the next studio, whatever item was next, a Dyson vacuum or something. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden I was just like sobbing hysterically. And then my husband came rushing through the double doors of the studio. And I was like, oh, I was like, real women have spoken. And he's like, we're not going bankrupt. And I was like, Oh my God. And it was this crazy story. And you know, that one airing turned into five that year and then 150 the next year. And then we did over 250 shows a year for eight years and built the largest beauty brand in QVC's history. And it is right now at this moment uh, to this day. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and what's, and I only share that because it was three years of hearing no, it was, Three years of, 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 you know, even Alan Burke saying you're not the right fit for QVC. And, 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 and so many of us get that opposition and that's what we listen to. Right. And it's so it's yes. easy. And it's like, it's like Jay-Z, Jay-Z said that famous quote, like he said, uh, the genius thing we did was we didn't give up. Right. And yes. so many times it comes down to that and also just figuring out how to believe um, that it's possible to succeed. It's just not happening yet. Um, and oh, what more? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. And then I'll, I'll ask you after. Gonna... You said earlier about um, when we were talking about how our setbacks turn into setups and like sometimes we can't yeah. see it at the time. And so uh, one more thing just to share is uh, uh, Alan Burke, who had said, no, yeah. uh, you're not the right fit. Um, after we launched on QVC, uh, Oh my gosh, he ended up becoming, uh, I got to know him so well, and he became like one of our greatest champions, uh, one of the best advisors we've ever had. And then he became one of my closest mentors, and he is to this day. And he uh, is so freaking brilliant. It's the biggest blessing. But anyways, he ended up retiring from QVC, and we ended up hiring him in a paid position on our advisory board. And I had this moment where I realized, oh my gosh, the guy that rejected me is now working for me. <laughs> and I was like, listen, like no one can tell you you're not the right fit. Like no one can, right? And, 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 the, and here, and the last thing I'll say about that, and this is like, this is important too, because even though all the years of no's hurt, um, Sephora rejecting me hurt, Alan Burke saying you're not the right fit hurt, like sometimes those painful no's 
are like actually like serendipitous grace, <laughs> like in our yeah. favor, right? Wrapped in this like package label, painful rejection. Because what I later learned was Alan Burke was right all along. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And had he said yes to us uh, when I wanted him to, uh, we would have failed because we did not have the infrastructure you need to support the back end of the business for an account like QVC. Uh, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And similarly, you know, we didn't have the right team to be able to support an Ulta or a Sephora yet in terms of education across the country. Like we built up a team of over a thousand employees, but during the years when we were getting told no from everybody, I didn't know what I didn't know. And thank goodness we didn't get a yes sooner because we would have failed and we may not have gotten another chance. And so, you know, a lot of full circle moments. They're so hard to see when we're in them, but when we keep going, we get to that point where we have yeah. those things happen. Well, I was going to ask you, I was going to say, whatever happened to Alan Burke? Because why did he say, did you ever, like my question was, what, did he ever give you a reason why he said no? So when you, did he tell you on that phone call when you spoke to him? Why? No. He just said, you're not the right fit for us. We reviewed your, you know, your brand or customers. Well, how did he um, know what your back end was? How would he know? He what didn't. I think right? So he, 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 he was just making that up because he felt silly that he said no, no to the. He, he didn't know what our back end was. He just said, no, I think that he thought our packaging wasn't ready and that we weren't ready, but he didn't know our, our, I, I think some people call it the universe. Other people call it divine orchestration. Other people call it God. I really believe the famous saying that things happen for us, not to us. Right. So he didn't know what our operational infrastructure was. He just probably knew in his own gut to say no, you know what I mean? And that we weren't happy or whatever. And that's why I think like sometimes things don't make sense when they happen against us, but like when we learn to trust ourselves and trust um, that things are divinely orchestrated, you know, whether some people call it the universe, some people call it God. For me, faith's a big deal, but like that, I, I know. believe that, you know? More from our guests, but first a few words from our sponsor. So do you finish your work week and cannot believe how little you actually got done? Do you feel that you're busy but not really that productive and that you're spending hours and hours on email and you don't know where the time has gone. Because if that sounds like you, I know it sounds like me, Belay is your company. Belay is this incredible organization revolutionizing productivity with their virtual assistant, bookkeeping, and social media strategist services for growing organizations. Learn to focus on productivity rather than profits for a more successful company. And Belay's Productivity Guide is a compilation of their most tried and true resources for mastering the art of a productive work week, which includes time hacks, organizational tips, delegation advice. I mean, it has it all. Learn how to boost your productivity and accomplish more with Belay's resource, your personal guide for a productive work week. Visit belaysolutions.com slash habits to download it free today. That's belaysolutions.com slash habits to download it free today. Have you always been very religious or, or did you kind of come to it more later on in life? 
You know, I was so I was raised where my parents made me, keyword made, forced me <laughs> to go to church every yeah. Sunday. Um, okay. And I never connected with it growing up. Like the, I didn't under, like whenever the pastors would give sermons, I literally couldn't connect with any of it. I would tune it out. I would scan the church pews for boys, cute boys, and I <laughs> would just like count down the minutes, like hoping it would end. And, you know, I always prayed and I always believed in God growing up. And then my journey was really different of God doubt, um, a lot of God doubt. And what I mean by that is like, you know, I always wanted to um, see new cultures, new experiences, and new people who didn't look like me or pray like me or love like me. And I just wanted that so badly. And so I was always, you know, uh, that's why I worked so many jobs. I was like, I got to get out and I got to get somewhere else and experience new things. And, and you know, I went, I went to school and then I ended up going to graduate, graduate school in New York City. And when I did that, I was for the first time really around so many people who had so many different faiths and a lot of people with no faith. And I was around so many science-based arguments on why God doesn't exist. And they all started to really make a lot of sense to me, right? People that believe, like they don't believe in anything unless you can see it, you know, prove it, touch right. it, for with faith is not required. And right. it really started impacting me. And, you know, there was a season I went through, I was working as a news anchor in Portland, Oregon. And in my mid twenties, I tell this crazy story in the book as well, but uh, I, I found out by surprise, I completely unexpectedly that I was adopted. Yeah. That's a crazy story, by the crazy way. Story, right? And then, and that's another story, oh. like five years of rejection and whole thing. Um, yeah, there's a lot and of how to find how you found out. Can you tell the story? It's unbelievable yeah. how you found out. It's it's like a crazy way for a child for a young girl to yeah. kind of get, get that information. Yeah, I mean, my, my parents never told me. They never wanted me to know. And um, uh, they had had another baby that had passed away when she was nine days old. And so my whole life, I just thought I had an older sister, and that they kept a baby picture of her and me on the bedside dresser. Um, and I'm not going to do the story justice compared to the book, but I'm going to keep it short because I know yeah. um, I know that you don't want a 25-hour details. But um, and so uh, and so anyhow, my my dad was going, the dad who raised me had re my parents divorced, he had remarried and they were going through a divorce. And long story short, he called me and said, Hey Jay, could you get a copy of those baby pictures of you and your older sister Jody? Um, could you ask your mom if she has another set? I can't find mine. And both my parents had always kept them on their on their their bed table. And I always knew she was a you know a year older than me, and that that was all I knew. So, anyways, um, it was Christmas Eve, and I uh, stopped by my mom's house to get a set of pictures. And Paula was out in the living room, and my husband now. And um, I walked into her bedroom with her, so it was just me and her. And she handed me the two pictures. I'm like, okay, thank you. And we're just chatting, or whatever. And I just glanced down at the photos and then I, I turned them over and I saw that, you know, mine said um, July of 1977 and hers said March of 1977. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's only a couple months apart. And I'm like, mom, how does Jody say March? <laughs> right? And it, she, she could have, and by the way, I was 26 when this happened. She could have said, oh, someone wrote the date wrong, right? Right. She could have easily said that. Yeah. Instead, she just stopped and she looked at me and I've never seen 
a look like this in her eyes. And, and, and she's the closest person to me, you know, my whole life. Right. And, and, and she just looked at me and she said, you know, well, you, you, I think you might've suspected this, but you're adopted. And I'm like, what? And it was this moment. And then everything that happened after that, which I go into anyone who's gone through a hard season and gone through somebody pulling the rug underneath from underneath you. And whether it's a partner or a family member or a friend, like when you think you know who they are (laughs) and you think you know like who you are and all of a sudden that gets pulled out from underneath you, it's a, it's a, a wild journey to go on emotionally in terms of identity and everything else. And so, um, I'll save so many, so much of those lessons and all that stuff, um, in the book, but but it's in the book and it's a great, it's a very, it's a great, it's great life lessons for sure. Five years of me trying to search for my birth mom and having thousands of women hang up and all those kind of things. And, um, so it was really a, um, a wild journey. Um, uh, and oh my gosh, I was just remembering the question I was answering. Now I'm like on the, t- what, what, what yeah. was it? Cause I was going to tell you, um, Oh, which part? I don't know. <laughs> you were saying something about, uh, oh, I don't remember. I was just listening to that story cause oh. I thought it was a great story. Oh, thank you. Uh, um, Oh, about your faith. You're talking oh, yeah, about your thank faith. You. Thank, yeah. you, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, okay. So it was this hard season. Oh yeah. Anyone out there who doubts God exists. Okay. So that was me. Right. And, uh, it was, you know, my mid twenties, I'd found out I was adopted. So, and then I didn't know, you know, I had spent years around so many people also who just don't believe in any faith. Right. And, all of it kind of accumulates in our life. And I went through this really tough season of like not knowing where I came from, first of all, not being able to find my birth parents and then just like doubting God existed. And, uh, and, uh, it was this season and, and I grew up in, um, the families that I was raised around never went to therapy, never saw counselors, never mm-hmm. uh, anything, right? They either just didn't talk about things or just kind of dealt with them. And I just realized I'm in this place where I started like having panic attacks and and I never had that in my life and I was really getting depressed. And so I actually saw a therapist for the first time and, um, and, uh, and it changed my life. Like she, first mm-hmm. of all, she helped me get through the stuff I was dealing with. But there was one day where I said to her, you know, I'm feeling really lost and I'm actually like, I pray, but when I pray, I feel like a fraud because I'm like praying yet I'm like doubting God exists at the same time. Like, is this real? And she said to me that day, something that changed my whole life. She says, okay, well, um, and by the way, I don't even know if she has any faith. I have no idea. But she said to me, well, what makes you think God can't handle your doubt? And I'm like, huh? And she goes, I mean, if he created the whole universe, what makes you think he can't handle your doubt? And she's like, tell him you doubt him and then ask him to prove you wrong. And I was like, huh. And so that started, <laughs> that started a multi-year journey where every time I pray, I, you know, uh, say all the things, thank you, God, all the things. I, and then I pray for other people's health, whatever it was. And at the end, I'd say, and I'm doubting you exist. So. If you could prove me wrong, I'd really appreciate it. Like prove me wrong beyond a shadow of a doubt, like show up. So there is no confusion in my life that it's, that it's you. And, you know, I started that prayer for a long time and then so many things started happening 
that literally all but scream from the rooftop um, uh, that God exists. So for me, and I share, I share a lot of those in the book, and I share the journey of it because I think, I think something that's really important, and 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 for any faith, no matter what faith someone practices or doesn't, maybe they they just want to tune into the universe, all those things. I think that it's easy for us to think like, oh, I don't, I'm not qualified or I've made, Mm -hmm. you know, just for me personally, the Christian faith, right? I think a lot of people feel like, oh, I'm too imperfect. I'm too flawed. I've made too many mistakes. It's too late. Like, I'm not. That's it. Too late for sure. It's a big one. People think that they've, their, their ship has sailed and they're not able to pursue. Yeah. And, and, and it's just not true. I, listen, I have made more mistakes than I can ever, ever, ever count. And I, I believe, this is my belief. I don't think I've ever talked about this, by the way, on a show, on a press interview, nothing. I believe God does not show up for perfect people who, uh-uh. I think he shows up for imperfect people who literally are just looking for him. You know what I mean? And, and asking yeah. him to come into their life. And so I think like he almost, deli- this is what my gut tells me that he like delights more in people that have gone on a journey and they've lived some life and they've made some mistakes and like, you know what I'm saying? And and yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) no, I think that's a, you know, there's a lot, that's why a lot of times when you see uh, people who found God, so to speak, it's people who've really um, in, you know, for lack of a better word has screwed up a lot or who have been down really bad, bad roads or had to kind of like stumble. They, they, they needed to find uh, a way out. And that's when God really kind of shows himself a lot of times to those people, to, to people like that. Yeah. And it, it is it, it because that faith has um, helped them stay on the right track and show them the way, so to speak. It's, I, I don't think that's just by accident that that happens. Yeah, I agree. And the cool thing about it is when like, we've lived some life and made some mistakes and had some down dark seasons and all those things that are human. It's like, then you're actually, I think, better able to know the impact on you personally when God's in your life. You know, when when you seek after him, because you're like, oh, this is real. This is legit. It's not like, you know what I mean? Because you feel yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Now, was your husband also uh, on that path or did you guys find this together? You've been married a while, right? Like yeah. to this, you, Your husband also helped build this company with you. Yeah. Yeah. We, so yeah. we wrote the business plan on our honeymoon. Right. And so in and yeah, yeah, he's, he is on the path, but so different. Like we're different in that, in really every way. We don't even watch the same television shows. Like I'll have the really? Oh yeah, I'll have the Bachelor on, and he or or like Real Housewives, and he thinks it's the worst thing in the universe. I agree with him. Yeah, well, <laughs> he loves like um, Game of Thrones and like uh, I don't know. And then he'll sometimes he watches stuff where just everything's blowing up, and and I'm like, I think it's the like worst Homeland thing or like Homeland or. No. And then I'm trying to think. Um, Oh my gosh. Anyways, he watches all the shows that would be considered sophisticated and great programming and, and yeah, yeah. beautiful writing. And for me, I don't know if it's because I just went through this season of like working hundred hour weeks or whatever, but yeah. it was like, for me, I could only watch a show that like, I didn't need to follow the storyline. Yeah. Like it's mindless. Like yes. you, you can tune out and you yes. can like, it's like, it's like silly, mindless. Like that's yeah. why those shows, like The Real Housewives, you know, I hate to say it because you know they came on my show, maybe, but uh, th- that like you don't. It's like a mindless, like 
is like a treat. It's like eating like junk food, right? Yeah. Like it's like, it's just like a sugary thing that you know you shouldn't do, but it's, it's yes. fun. I you know? thinking like the Twinkie's bad for you, but you want the Twinkie and you're like, you're like, okay, this just made my life better today. I feel better because I just watched. It's whatever. true. Yeah. And it doesn't, and like, you could just like not think it's like a very, like, you don't have to think on that kind of that level, you know? Yeah. And so I get it, especially when you work like that, what would you say is the most important in your what would you think the most important uh, trait would be for success? Mm. I think. Besides believing in yourself, because yeah. I think that's, we've spoken about that so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think I can give you three things, but, but. Give me three. I really think that. And it's not just believe not just believing in yourself, believing, making the decision to believe success is possible for you. I think that so many of us just think we're not qualified um, or we don't have what it takes or we don't come from the right family or we don't come from the right background or we don't have the right education or we don't have the right experience, all those things. And I think we talk ourselves out of it. And I think making that decision to believe it's possible is huge, like huge. Um, some of the things that, that just come also top of mind is, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about um, when I was building at Cosmetics and how it wasn't just about, you know, finding a product that worked. Or was it, I think that so many people can be great at setting goals and so many people have done enough reading or listened to enough podcasts where they understand the concept of like identifying your why um, behind what you're doing, right? Which is like your mission for doing it. Mm -hmm. The biggest mistake I think a lot of people make though around this, um, and it's why they give up or they stop their health journey or they, uh, whatever it is, quit, quit the business or, or never start it. I think that a lot of people identify a why, um, that they think is the right one. And it sounds really good. And if you share it with someone else, it sounds really good. Like maybe it's like, oh, I'm doing this because I want to um, buy a house or I'm doing this because I want mm. to pay for my kid's college one day. Or And those are great whys, right? Like they sound so great. They make so much sense. But often they're not deep enough and they're not meaningful enough to make sure you don't quit when times are tough. And of all the things, I did so many things wrong. One of the things I did right was like, the you, you have a why, but you have to peel back the layers and go really, really deep, right? So I, I, I shared like for me, like wanting to shift culture and beauty and, 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 and help, help end that, that process of every little girl about to start doubting themselves, every grown woman who still does and shift culture on that. That was really deep for me because my whole life I'd felt that not enoughness every time I'd see those beauty images. That was way more deep for me, that, that mission to do that for other people than it was to go, oh, I want to buy a house or, oh, I want to create a great product or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And I think a lot of people, they've got to go deeper. Like I think, I think they start, you know, whatever it is, and they have a great why, but like they've got to put, I, I suggest, I recommend, because a lot of people do, don't do this, is putting in that work of going deeper and deeper and deeper. So what the purpose, the real true purpose yeah. Yeah, is some versus just like a surface level Yeah, and some purpose. people they know it. Like maybe it's like, oh, I want, you know, I, 
I want to pay for my kid's school. But if that's all it is right there, for some people, that's not enough. And an example, I'm making this up. I'm making this up. But if someone says, oh, you know what? I want to peel back the layers deeper. Maybe the real why there isn't to pay for my kid's college. Maybe the why is to break a multi-generational cycle of complacency or poverty or whatever in your family. And right. that's, that's a big, why. that's a, that's a big why. Yeah. But and that could be the same person, right? But they thought their why was to pay for college. And it's easy to then go, oh, you know what I'm saying? But when it's that deep. But a lot of times people don't even know that why yet. Exactly. They have to go down the path first, a little bit further to really kind of unravel what was pushing them. Like a lot of times, like what for me anyway, and I know it's a lot of people I know, you know, you go down a path for one reason and you're your reasons change mm-hmm. as you kind of go through it, right? Yes. And you morph and grow, and then you really find the real why. Yeah, but, and I think right? totally, and I but, think that's true. I, I think when you get to a spot, though, where you're like, I just want to quit, and if your gut is telling you to keep doing it, that's when I think it's the time where you also have to then go deeper and be like, the, you know, I want to quit, but my gut's telling me not to, but like, why is it I want to give up? And then just like, you know, in those moments, you know, figure out what is that deep, deep, deep why that fuels you. Um, right. Yeah. That the, I, I agree. And you always knew, well, you had two things going for you. I think the first thing is, uh, we didn't even touch upon this at the beginning of the podcast, but you created uh, your cosmetic company because there was, you had a need for it. You had you had rosacea yeah. that you 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 couldn't find any product to actually help you, so you were kind of filling an ailment that you actually had. Right. And a lot of t- right, and a lot of times I feel like when people do that, when they're feeling when when they themselves are needing of something, and then the lo- the best products usually bloom from that. Right. And and having the why? Did you have that why at a young like? Because but reading your book, you had a work ethic. I know you were like. In the in your yearbook, you said you were like the queen of procrastination, or yeah. you were like dubbed that. Yeah. But over time, you became your work ethic became extremely clear. Like what a strong work work ethic you had. Um, do you feel like that was a huge part of why you're successful as well? Is because that that like hundred hour weeks and and kind of grinding like you did, like you just weren't going to take no for an answer, yeah. no matter what. I think I think I think not taking rejection personally was huge, um, mm-hmm. uh, which I can share about in a minute. I don't think someone needs to work hundred hour weeks to succeed. I don't think they need to work a third of the amount of hours I worked to have right. the kind of success I did. I think when I look back, it's one of the things I actually wish I did differently. Um, mm, the number of hours know. I worked. Yeah. Because I don't, you know, I pray every day. It hasn't taken a toll on my health and all those things I don't know. But what I realize is that, you know, when I find after three years of solid no's, not paying myself, when we finally, um, many years after that started actually, you know, things were doing really well and our accounts were thriving and we were getting into all these stores I couldn't process at the time, or maybe a better word is I didn't know how to believe at the time that the success was real. And I worried at every single second it could all come crashing down. And it's another form of imposter syndrome, right? Where, That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so I drove myself so hard because I thought, oh my gosh, like, 
I need to strike while the iron's hot, like, like all of that. Right. And it, it never let up. And, 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 you know, it was a decade before I realized, oh, I actually didn't yet believe I was worthy of this success. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't believe that it was happening. And it wasn't until I learned to believe it was real, (laughs) to believe like it's possible for me, it it is happening, I have earned it, all those things, um, that I was able to better prioritize stuff, that I was able to make bigger decisions. Like, you know, we tried to have a baby. I tried to get pregnant for 10 years and, you know, had miscarriages and so many things. And when we finally um, welcomed our daughter, she's two and a half years old now, Wonder, into the world, I, you know, I was raised with parents that worked so hard all the time and they were often not around. And I just made this decision like, oh, wow, I'm repeating that cycle and I'm not going to do that. Uh, for my daughter and it's going to be okay. And my success is going to continue. And it was really just making those big, you know, shifts um, around that, that I was better able to do it. But I don't think uh, anyone needs to ever (laughs) work a hundred hour weeks. I did it from a place of, I couldn't believe this success was happening. And I was just driving it so hard because I had a fear it could all come crashing down. And, you know, when I was a waitress at Denny's, I could have never imagined um, at the time, you know, I always knew like I was supposed to serve in a bigger way and impact and things like that. But I could have never imagined um, I would have a thousand employees and, you know, sell my company for over a billion dollars cash. Like those kind of things I couldn't imagine when they happen to us, it's, it's, how we react to it <laughs> is yeah. a whole other thing, right? And um, and so that is that's why I did that part. Um, so I like that you say that. I think that's really true and real because um, the imbalance, right? When you work that much, you're giving uh, the, the the amount of stress. Like you were saying, you were trying to have a baby, and like yeah. you were so overworked, your body was yeah. like shutting down probably in some way, or because of yeah. your um, hormones, or probably your cortisol levels. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, it was. I think a lot of people can relate to what you're saying. It's that you, most people do that because they don't feel like it's real. Like they, that, that imposter syndrome is such a real thing. Yeah. Um, and that's what motivates people to do that. Right. Um, yeah. And I think like, you know, I think that not feeling qualified, not like, yeah. you know, all of those things. Right. And I, I think that, I think it's so important we're talking about it too. Cause I think a lot of people who feel it, who feel imposter syndrome, you know, which is like, Oh, I'm not qualified to be doing what I'm doing or, I don't deserve to have clients trust me or I don't, you know, all the things we think, right. Depending on, on our own life situation. But like, I feel like it's human and I feel like, um, it's important to talk about it too, because a lot of people feel it and they think they're alone in it. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, absolutely through it. And, um, and for me, you know, I started assembling like a toolkit of things that I would go to like imaginary toolkit, like quotes, sayings, stories that I would go to when I start feeling that. And, um, you know, for me, and I, th- I think this is universal regardless of, it, uh, of people's faith or whatever, but every time I'd start doubting myself or feeling like not qualified or any of those things um, to be doing what I was doing, yet I felt like uh, it was my calling to, to be doing it and my mission and my purpose. I felt like a calling, but so many times I would doubt 
I was qualified. And uh, there's these famous words I, I would always go to that would help me. So I'm going to share them in case they, in case someone out there needs to hear this right now. Um, for and, it. and the word, the, the famous saying goes like this, um, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I would read those words over and over. And to me, they mean, if regardless of your faith, to me, they mean if you have this 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 thing you can't shake in your gut, like you're supposed to start the 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 group of moms that gets together and just shares the real stuff over wine. Whatever it is, you feel this thing you're supposed to do. Uh, start the you know the 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 book. Start all those things. Like I believe it's start the business, leave the job you're in. All those things. I think that if you can't shake it, I think it's part of your purpose. I think it's part of your calling. And to me, if something's part of your calling. Then it's like if God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. To me, that means you have everything you need inside of you already, right? To actually yeah. accomplish the calling you were born to walk into. And so, when I do doubt myself, which I still do to this day, those are words that I always reference that help me, um, and so many other other lessons I share in the book on things that help and just. Um, I love that quote, though. It's beautiful. It's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I love your shirt right now, too. I really want that shirt. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'll send you the name of whoever makes it. I don't remember. No, it's thank you. What are you going to do now? I mean, like you sold the company. I know uh, you were you were still acting as CEO until just very recently as well. Right. So. Yeah, I um I stayed on as um so when we sold uh, it cosmetics to L'Oreal um uh, uh the biggest by the way the biggest the biggest deal they've ever the biggest acquisition they've ever done just you know no big deal of course but <laughs> just the biggest acquisition ever but mm-hmm. ever anyway yeah and it was you know it was this really cool thing part of why I decided to we decided to do it was like we were scaling our own mission so quickly in the US and we just started launching globally and I realized oh my gosh when you start launching in different countries they all have different HR policies regulatory compliance all those things right and I'm like oh wow okay we can figure this out on our own but it's going to take all we're going to go a whole lot slower than if we partner with someone you know like L'Oreal that has uh, teams on the ground in over 100 countries and we can try and shift culture around inclusivity and get our message of beauty out there um so much quicker than we could do it on our own and um so yeah uh, after the acquisition they made me the first uh, woman to hold a CEO title in their 107 year history at the time yes um oh, which was amazing really, I agreed to stay on for 3 years uh and um there's nothing financially holding me to do it. It's just I think when you give people your word, uh, you want to keep it. And I think when you know when people believe in you, it's good to prove them right <laughs> if you can. Yeah. And uh, so I stayed on for Amazing. two years. We um, we doubled the size of the business the first two years post acquisition, uh, which is crazy and awesome. And uh, and then you know it's it really for me came down to uh, uh, learning to trust myself thing. Uh, yeah. Where three years in. You know, for almost a decade, um, uh, because of our, our story, I'd hear from lit agents and movie producers, and they'd want me to tell my story. And I was working 100-hour weeks on the business, like legit building it. And I just didn't want someone else to just write a book and have it not be authentic to me. And I wanted to, if I was going to do it, I wanted to be all in. So I actually said no to everyone for years. And, uh, and then, um, a little over a year ago, I was just like, oh, I just knew 
it's time. Like, like I knew everything that I had been through. I don't think it's for me. I, I really truly believe, and I believe this of every person, that the journey we go on, the stories we have, the setbacks we we overcome or don't, all the things, like I realize my greatest joy isn't selling my business for, but it's not any of those things. Like those things are awesome. Don't get me wrong, but like it doesn't fill your soul. Like when we know the things we've gone through can be of service to someone else, like that's the ultimate, right? Whether it's our kids or our friends or or someone we've never even met that that saw our story on Instagram, whatever it is, it's a it's soul filling. And it made me realize like I, you know, I was ready and it was hard to leave the company I built. And after three years, it just I just knew. I knew to trust myself that this next chapter was how can I serve at an even higher level um, than I'm doing now and how can I use everything I've gone through? Like I've done, again, a lot wrong, but there's a lot of things I did right in figuring out like how to accomplish my biggest dreams. So Mm -hmm. it's like now and what's next for me is literally pouring into every other woman uh, and person on like their own journey of doing that for themselves, um, including my daughter and my little son, Wilder, too, wondering Wilder, but like pouring into- What great names, wow. too. Oh, there, thank you. And and so, you know, it's really why I wrote this book. It's like my whole prayer for this book is that I get DMs on Instagram and I meet you know people in person post-COVID. I can't wait. Right. Um, <laughs> and they say to me like, oh my gosh, like, like this story or this lesson- literally was the thing that helped me break through the self-doubt and helped me, you know, go after this dream or believe I was worthy of being in a relationship that's healthy or, uh, you know, not shame myself for my own body, not having a baby or any of those things. Right. Because I think like together, the power of story, um, uh, you know, and when we learn from each other, it helps us believe and, and on our own journey, going from underestimated to unstoppable. It's a, I, I, exactly. That's a great, the title is great, by the way. I think it, besides believe it, the underestimated to unstoppable is exactly what people, what I think is people need to hear because people feel underestimated. They need to feel un- unstoppable. Yeah. And like I said, you're, I, I really, I really enjoyed your book. Believe it. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie Marie Kern Lima. <laughs> so also I should share with you too. This is just something fun for your community. Um, the, so for launch week, right? It's a big, big launch week of the book. Um, if anyone uh, picks up the book, wherever it's sold, doesn't matter where, uh, we're going to do something special. Um, I just want to share with your community too on, uh, and it's free, uh, but on our, our website, believeit.com, the book name, believeit.com. Um, I'm doing my first ever course. It's a five part course on how to go from underestimated to unstoppable. And it's free. It's just for anyone who bought the book, the week of book launch, you download it for free. And then you also get, uh, um, a work like an action plan workbook that goes with it, which is how to implement all the lessons. It's over 20 pages, but how to implement the lessons from the book in your real life. So anyway, just something fun to share. That's with a great, no, I love it. Well, um, cause it's fun to get free stuff. And so we're like, what can we do? That's really awesome for the launch week of the book. Um, and also to just celebrate everyone that's going to kind of go on their own journey, um, even more powerfully of becoming the person they're born to be. Absolutely. When is when is the actual official launch of this book? When does it come out? Yeah, February twenty third. 
February the 23rd. Okay. That is amazing. So, uh, my God, best of luck. This book is, I think, I think it's going to do very well because, like I said, it, it, it resonates, I'm sure, with so many women, so many people uh, who feel like they are not, they're not kind of like self-actualizing where they would really love to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so many of us just go through like doubt and it's like, I feel like it's so helpful to, to learn everything we can on how to break through it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, and I think you're, you're a great example role model for that. So, so much. Um, no, you're very welcome. So where do people find you if they want to find you or, yeah. you know, look um, you up? Easiest is probably Instagram. It's, you know, um, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram and all, but Instagram is the one I'm on the most in terms of like DMs and all of that. And so uh, my, my Instagram is at Jamie Kern Lima. So. Perfect. If I'm not, I'll, I'll so I, if I'm not following you, which I think I am, I'll start following you right now. Awesome. <laughs> oh, this is so much fun, and thank you so much. And yeah. Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle, from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast, powered by. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.